الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الأمين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته يوم الدين ثم أما بعد الحمد لله على نعمة الإسلام والسنة All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah. Qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi kitabihi al-kareem Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says in his noble book Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu kutiba alaykum al-siyam kama kutiba ala ladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattakun Allah ta'ala he says in his noble book O you who believe Fasting has been written upon you as it was written upon those who came before you so that you could attain taqwa. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He goes on to say, Ayyaman ma'adudat, fixed days. They are fixed days. فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ so whoever from amongst you is sick or upon a journey, then they will make those days up later. They will make those days up later. And this ayah is from the, those proofs and evidences that are the origin of this particular topic and subject of fasting while traveling Naam Of fasting while traveling And bithmilahi ta'ala It will become more apparent Insha'Allah ta'ala The first hadith And bithmilahi ta'ala The way that these hadith are brought inside of Umdah They are in a way Because a story is built Or a narrative is built we can say, or so that we can better understand the topic, that each of these ahadith, they cover a point of the overall topic, so that you can understand the full of the subject, Naam, the full of the subject. This is what it was meant and intended by, so that the narrative could be built and you can understand in totality, and that is due to lack of a better phrase. So the first hadith is on the authority of Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha. And this hadith is collected where? Does anyone know? Remember, we're speaking about the book Umdah, Umdatul Ahkam. And all of the ahadith inside of there are collected in the same place. Which, which is where? Bukhari and Muslim. Naam, sent. All of these ahadith are mutafaqun alayh. They're agreed upon by both al Bukhari and Muslim. So, this, when one memorizes this book, it becomes very easy. Right? Because as Imam Muqbir ta'ala, he said that when memorizing ahadith, at the very minimum, you should know who narrated the text of the hadith and where it's collected. Who narrated the text of the hadith and where it's collected. Naam. And some of the students, especially in the beginning of their seeking knowledge, sometimes they have trouble remembering where it is collected. Right? So that which they can utilize, which will help them and give them encouragement and a sense of accomplishment, is that you start to memorize a hadith from the likes of this book. Because it's all mutafaqun alayh. So it's easy, that part is easy to remember. Mutafaqun alayh. This hadith an Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha anna Hamza bin Amr al-Aslami qara lil-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his sahabi 
is Hamza bin Amr al-Aslami. Naam, and it's very important that we remember who he is. Qal, he said, لِلنَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمِ He said to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, أَأُصُومُ فِي السَّفَرِ Should I fast during or while traveling? Should I fast while traveling? Naam. And our mother Aisha, رضي الله تعالى عنها, she brought a very important phrase that brings context to this situation and by way in which we gain a lot of benefit from. And she said, And he used to fast a lot. And he used to fast a lot. Who used to fast a lot? Huh? Not the Prophet. Remember, I said a name Hamza. The Hamza. And Aslami, he used to fast a lot. Naam. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet وسلم, he said, إِنْ شِئْتَ فَصُمْ If you want to, fast. وَإِنْ شِئْتَ فَأَفْطِرْ And if you want to, then break your fast. Naam. If you want to, you can fast. And if you want to, break your fast. قَالَ فَضِيلَةُ الشَّيْخِ Sheikh Abdul Razak and Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abad Al-Badr He mentions, he says Hadith Um Al-Mu'mineen Aisha Radiyallahu Ta'ala Anha Anna Al-Hamza Ibn Amr Al-Aslami Radiyallahu Ta'ala Anhu Qala Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam A'asumu Fi Safar He says in the, in the hadith of our mother Aisha the mother of the believers, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha wa ardaha, that Hamza bin Amr al-Aslami radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, should I fast while traveling? And our mother, she mentioned and commented, وَكَانَ كَثِيرًا الصِّيَامِ And he used to fast a lot. فَقَالَ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, in شِئْتَ فَصُمْ if you want to, you can fast. And if you want to, you can break your fast. And this Sahaba in this hadith, the Shaykh mentions, that it was mentioned that he used to fast a lot. It's mentioned that he used to fast a lot. In the statement of our mother Aisha, radiyallahu ta'ala anha, ilmaha ila anna kathir, in, ila anna kathir al-siyam, yakunu al-amr fi haqqihi aqallu mushakka. This is an indication from the statement of our mother Aisha, radiyallahu ta'ala anha, that the affair of fasting as relates to him is less difficult min ghayrih. Is less difficult upon him to fast than other than him. Naam. Why? Why is it less difficult upon him to fast than other than him? Why? Because he's used to it. Because he fasts a lot. He's acclimated to fasting. Right? So he's used to fasting a lot. Eh? So it's not hard for him to fast. Because he's accustomed to fasting. So it's not hard for him to fast. And I want you to bear that in mind. It is not hard for him to fast. So because it's not difficult for him to fast, then his answer was very specific. If you want to, you can fast. And if you want to, you can break your fast. Why? Because it was not hard for him to fast. Why wasn't it hard for him to fast? Because he was used to it. He used to fast a lot. Naam. So the Prophet وسلم, he said unto him, if you want to fast. وَإِنْ شِئْتَ فَأَفْطِرْ And if you want to, then break your fast. وَهَذِي يَدُلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْعَمْرِ فَهَذِهِ الْمَسْأَلَةِ وَاسِعْ And this statement of the Prophet ﷺ, it brings us to another point. Another point of benefit, and that is that what? Is that the issue as relates to this affair, that it is broad. It is not restricted in the sense that the individual has the freedom of choice, for lack of a better term. Now, where they're able to 
assess their own situation and then fast or break their fast. Naam. When musafir so if the person who is traveling wants to, then he can fast. When and if he wants to, then he can break his fast. He has a choice. Between fasting and between breaking his fast. That makes sense? Okay. So if you're fasting, now this is upon you now. You're fasting. And you're traveling. You're traveling and you're fasting. Right? What's better? The Shaykh mentions, he says, Which one is better? Why don't you keep in mind, you yourself are fasting. Which is better? Is it better for you to fast or is it better for you to break your fast? Okay. Oh, no. You said it depends. That's excellent. Don't, don't say anymore. I don't want you to give too much away. Some say it's better to fast. Some say it's better not to fast. Not to fast due to the ayah. That's that's the okay. And you're saying it's better to fast. So, so we got three opinions now. One say it's better to fast. One say it's better not to fast. And then one say it depends. Either one. We got a fourth one, right? Uh, I don't know. You give it too much away. No, 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 no. no. Oh, you give it too much away. Give it too much away. That's why I stopped him. I had a feeling where he was going. <laughs> uh, give it to him. The Sheikh, he says, Yuqar, it is said, إِن لَمْ يَكُنْ عَلَيْهِ مُشَقَّةِ فَالصِّيَامُ أَوْلَى If there's no, if it's not hard for him, if he has no difficulty, then fasting is better. Right? If, 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 if it's no problems for him, then for him, fasting is better. You know, some people, they say this. They, they say, I'm, I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to try drive in a car, from the car, get on the plane, from the plane, get out, get into a taxi. I'm in AC the whole way. It's easy for me. So I'm going to continue to fast. Right? Because it's not difficult for them. So for that person, do we say, no, it's better for you to break your fast? We say, no, this is fine. It's perfectly fine. Because remember, the affair is open. You have flexibility in it. If you, if you want to fast, you can fast. If you don't want to fast, then you don't have to fast. Okay? However, it will depend on the individual. Right? So this will be particular to every individual. So if you're traveling and you're fasting, if you're experiencing difficulty, if you're experiencing difficulty, then it is better for you to do what? To break your fast, right? Then it's better for you to break your fast. But well, in kind of he he. No, I'm sorry. Let's go back. If you're fat, if you're traveling and you're fasting and it's not difficult, then it's better for you to what? To keep your fast. If you're traveling, your fasting is not difficult, then it's better for you to stay fasting. Keep your fast. Like, and if you're fasting and you're traveling and it's difficult, then what is awla is that you do what? What is better? That you break your fast. Right? Now again, as the early Mahdi explained, when we, when I want you to understand this, that this portion here with the Sheikh is explaining that if you're fasting and it's not difficult, then remain fasting. If you're fasting and it becomes difficult, then it's better for you to break your fast. This is relation to a difficulty that is small. It's not a big difficulty. This relates to a difficulty that is small, where you're feeling some discomfort and, 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 and it's difficult, but it is not yani, um, an emergency, right? Because the early man, they explain that if you're in a situation where it's difficult and there is an emergency, then do you have an option at that point to continue fasting? You do not. You have to break your fast at that point. If you're traveling and you're fasting and you, and you feel like you're going to faint, you feel like you're going to pass out, right? 
is that difficult upon you that you are getting signs that you are going to lose consciousness, so on and so forth. This is an example. Then at that point, you, you no longer have an option. You have to break your fast. And that's why later on in this chapter, um, the Imam, he brings a hadith, that it is not from righteousness to fast while traveling, meaning it is not from righteousness to put yourself through extreme difficulty and maintain your fast while you are traveling. That makes sense? Now. What about if you travel to a different time zone? No, that's a whole other situation. Now, if you're traveling to another time zone and it becomes difficult, right? This will be a difficulty that enters not necessarily a physical difficulty, but it becomes a difficulty. What do I do? I started in this time zone. Now I'm traveling and I'm going backwards. And yeah, I mean, so it, what should should I fast? Should I not fast? So I'm I'm starting here and then I'm traveling forward. So I'm going yeah, I need to the east. So now I'm in a new, different time zone. When do I break my fast? Because now on the plane, if you're traveling to the east, what you're going through time zones. Likewise, if you're coming west, you're going backwards through time zone. So it becomes confusing. So for a person in a situation like that where it becomes confusing, then what's better for him? Break your fast. It becomes too confusing. Right? If I, if I go here and I fast like this, then it's only this amount of time. If I go and do like this and that. So in that case, if it becomes confusing in that sense, then break your fast. Right? So if a person is, 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 is traveling and they're fasting, then they have the option to do this or to that. But either one, and this is again, if there's a light difficulty or no difficulty, then they have a choice. And either one in this situation is what? Is permissible. Now, they're both permissible, right? But, and this individual then, he has a choice. If you want, Fast, if you want, then break your fast. The Shaykh says, And the meaning that is contained in this hadith, some of the people of knowledge they have extracted it from the Quran. In Allah Ta'ala's statement, which statement? The fact that you have a choice. That if you are traveling, you have a choice to break your fast. What verse gives us, can we extract that meaning from? Surah Al-Baqarah. Huh? One is 185. Now, now, and if one of you is sick or upon a journey, then they will break their fast and make the days up from other days. Meaning that he will break his fast due to the simple fact that they are traveling. That they can break their fast due to the simple fact that they are traveling. So traveling becomes a, a reason that a person is allowed to break their fast. Traveling becomes a reason that a person is allowed to break their fast. Now, just like sickness is a reason where a person is allowed to break their fast. But if you break your fast because you're traveling, what then you have to do afterwards is that you have to do what? You have to make that day up. Now, and you will make that day up. How many days would you make up? It will be dependent upon how many days you miss due to fasting. Oh, due to, um, excuse me, due to traveling. How many days you miss due to traveling, then you will make those days up. So if you were traveling for four or five days, right, then you would, after Ramadan, you make up those four or five days. That makes sense? Right. وَعَنْ أَنَسْ بِنْ مَالِكِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَنْهُ قَالْ Now I'm going to, this is the next hadith that Imam Al-Qudama, he brings. Now I'm giving you some, yani, some heads up. I'm going to be asking you to answer some questions based on what we had already taken. Okay? That makes sense? 
Okay. It says, Kunna nusafiru ma'inabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, we were fasting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Naam? Excuse me. We were traveling. We were traveling with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? I was thinking about the question I was going to ask you and then the answer and then I gave you the answer. Allah was that. We were traveling with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what's understood by that is that what? They were, yeah, they, they were fasting. It was during the time of fasting. Okay. And then he says, فَلَمْ يَعِبْ أَصَّائِمْ عَلَى الْمُفْضِرِ He said that the one who was fasting, he did not blame or rebuke or find fault with the one who broke his fast. وَلَا مُفْضِرَ عَلَى أَصَّائِمْ Nor did the one who had broken his, bro- broken his fast, he didn't find or yani, any fault with the one who continued his fast. Naam. So what is one of the benefits that we that, that, that we get from this hadith that we saw in the aforementioned hadith? Was that what? That we have a choice. And that choice comes into effect for the simple fact that we're doing what? That we're traveling. So if you're traveling, you have a choice. Naam. And for those who are traveling, what is from the sunnah? If we're traveling in the group, and some of us decide, okay, we're going to break our fast. And others decide, okay, now we're going to continue the fast. Ma'am? Then, is it for any one of us to blame the other? No. What's the proof that, that is that we shouldn't blame each other? This hadith right here. Is that the Sahaba, they were traveling with the Prophet Sallallahu And they were fa- some was fasting and some were not fasting. And none blamed the other. Ma'am, ma'asantum. Tayyip. Wa'an Abi Darda'ah. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu Qal It's another hadith The next hadith in which Imam ibn Qudama he brings He said Kharajna ma'a Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Said we went out with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Fi shahr Ramadan Inside of Ramadan Naam Wa harrin shadeed Fi harrin shadeed And it was very hot Very hot Right Now Abu Darda, he explains, he gives us an example, right, to show us how hot it was, right, in case we didn't get it from his statement, it was very hot. He said it was so hot, حَتَّى إِنْ كَانَ أَحَدُنَا لَيَدَعُ يَدَهُ عَلَى رَأْسِهِ مِشِدَّةِ الْحَرِّ He said it was so hot that one of us will put his hand on his head because it was so hot. This is how hot it was. It was very hot. He said that one of us will put his hand on his head because it was just so hot. Right? Again, I want, now I want you to tell me, based on what we already took, what we can extract from this particular hadith. He says, وَمَا فِيْنَا صَائِمْ إِلَّا رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَعَبْدُ اللَّهِ بِنْ رَوَاحَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَى عَنْهُ He said, and no one from amongst the whole group of us was fasting except for the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم وَعَبْدُ bin بِنْ Nobody was fasting except those two. Why? Okay, those two were fasting because they could, they could handle it. The Prophet ﷺ, now we know, no doubt. He can handle it. Right? But, and Abdullah bin Rawaha, he was able to physically withstand it. But, what about everyone else? It was extremely hot. Put their hands on their head. So what happened? So they didn't. They didn't fast. Why did? Why didn't they fast? Huh? It was out of choice. But 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 what is? I'm look. I'm looking for a particular thing here. A particular reason. Now, nah. because it was difficult. It was difficult. So when it. So if you're. Traveling and there arises a difficulty, right? Because again, let's rewind. Shabdur Razak, he said that what is better will be dependent upon the situation. If you're traveling and fasting and there's no difficulty, then it's better for you to fast. If you're traveling and fasting and it's difficult, it's better for you to break your fast. And the reason I'm doing this is because these are what call connect the dots. Right? You gotta you connect dots. And this is the way of ilm. Now as the poet he said, Today is knowledge and tomorrow's knowledge too. 
ونخبه العلم التي تطقت يحصل المرء به حكمه وانما السيل اجتماع النقط is that from يعني today is knowledge and tomorrow is knowledge right and from the fruits of knowledge in which an individual will get is that an individual by way of knowledge he will gain wisdom and verily the way and the path to seeking knowledge uh, is 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 the gathering of um, of dots now the gathering of dots the way of seeking knowledge the similitude of the way of seeking knowledge is is like the same you know the same the, um, the 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 river the like the flash flood right the flash flood flash floods are very powerful right a flash flood is very powerful it 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 a sweep a grown man off of his feet it'll knock him down and take him with the water right you with me a flash flood a flash flood meaning in an area that is typically dry the ground does not absorb the water quickly so when the rains come it gathers a lot of water and it'll sweep you off your feet this is the similitude of seeking knowledge is the gathering of, of dots because these drops a drop by itself does it affect you no two three no but if you put enough drops together it'll sweep you off your feet this is the way of knowledge and this is yeah this is an encouragement for all of us we have to be consistent in seeking knowledge and it takes time and this is why the poet began by saying today is knowledge and tomorrow's knowledge it takes time it takes time to gather bits and pieces from here and from there it takes time right one hadith one ayah another hadith another ayah another hadith another ayah statement of the salaf like this it takes time it's not it's not it's not only one time it's not just really fast like this no it takes time okay the point is from that is that it takes time because and things are brought together this bithnilahi ta'ala will give us an appreciation for the ulama the ulama they just don't speak from their their whims and their desires they don't speak from their whims or from their desires but rather is based upon the proofs and the evidences ma'am now sometimes an individual they'll be able to recognize that sometimes the listener the individual the one who asks a question they'll be able to recognize that the sheikh is telling him what he's telling him and he can recognize maybe some of the proofs and the evidences where he's getting his statement from and then other times they may not recognize it right and other times they may not recognize it because remember the scholar he's going to address the audience based upon their level if a question was asked and a person is in need of an answer then they're not going to go into all the proofs and the evidences and where they extracted this statement and who said that statement and so on and so forth because what that is not the situation that we're in you ask for a, a, a you ask the question because you need a quick and clear answer right you with me so in those situations they won't mention all the proofs and evidences and what where they extracted what from and so on and so forth then you have other situations where they're speaking to students of knowledge for example right so then they will go into the proofs and the evidences and show where, what where, what was extracted from what so that those students could be yani could learn and could be trained and could appreciate and see this process of extracting proofs and evidences does that make sense ma'am so when sheikh abdul razak said if you are traveling and you're fasting and if you don't find any difficulty then to fast is better that was based on what hadith now the hadith of aisha alhamdulillah now but the first hadith he mentioned right is based on that hadith that and, and and what was the point of evidence how do we know that that is talking or how do we know that that was extracted from that that he was fasting traveling easy for him what was the statement in the hadith that gave us an indication it was easy for him that was which statement and that he used to fast a lot so it was easy for him okay so in his case now nah, it's better to keep fasting all right now he said if you're traveling and fasting and it's difficult then you break your fast and where do we get that from where did he get that from that was attracted from which hadith 
because of the heat. Now, the hadith that mentions because of the heat, out of all of the Sahaba that are with the Prophet, the only ones that was fasting was the Prophet and one of the Sahabi, and his name was Abdullah bin and as far as we have a choice when we are fasting um, when we are uh, fasting and traveling to break our fast or to keep it and that those who keep it shouldn't blame those who don't keep it and those who don't keep it shouldn't blame those who keep it we get that from the hadith of who? hadith of? I heard it nah, from the hadith of Anas bin Malik now, and then if a person is fasting on a travel, on a journey, and it becomes very difficult for them, but they decide, I'm going to still fast no matter what, I don't care, and they're clearly struggling, it's clearly affecting them in a, in, in a way in which is detrimental to their health. Then we'll tell them it, what you're doing is not a sign of devotion and a sign of righteousness. What you're doing is not a sign of devotion and it's not a sign of righteousness. It's better for you really to break your fast. And that's based on which hadith? Now, the, the last one is going to be mentioned, which was? Now, Laysam al Bir is not from righteousness to fast while traveling, and that is the hadith of Jabir. Bin Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhuma and that hadith is collected where? Al Bukhari Muslim. Now, this is very important point. Because as far as jumping on a plane and you know going from state to state or jumping on a, a train and going really far, <coughs> so on and so forth, those things are pretty much well known. But what are the conditions to break your fast while traveling? What are the conditions? Shaykh Sulaiman al-Ruhayli, he mentions three conditions. And these are very important. There are three conditions that relates to being able to break your fast while traveling. Three conditions as relates to being able to break your fast while traveling. The first condition. And yet musafir. And a person may say, well, this sounds obvious, right? The first thing is that a person has to make sure that they constitute as a traveler, that they are traveling. A person has to make sure that they are traveling. How is that determined? Whether or not you are traveling or you're not traveling. And this is uh, some of those points that we need to know. Not just as relates to the rules and regulations of whether, you know, once you're given the allowance so, yani, to break your fast on uh, Ramadan while traveling, but also so that we know the limits by way in which we can shorten the salah and also the, the limits and yani, the area we're in the sisters can travel, or excuse me, the sisters can go about, not travel, but the sisters can go about before it becomes haram for them because now they're technically traveling. Right? Because a woman, she cannot travel without what? Without mahram. A woman, she cannot travel except that she has to have with her a mahram. So there's a certain circumference in which she can't go beyond. Once she goes beyond that, now it becomes haram. Alright? So now... How far could our wives venture out? This, these area, this, this, this next topic will let us know how far that is. Man, how far that is. But the Shaykh says, "Faman min qasidan," and this is very important. That whoever leaves out from his house and he is intending, he's intending to travel, because as, as Imam Al Bani, rahimahullah Taala, he mentioned that it, 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 it's by your intention. So if a hunter, for example, is chasing game, he didn't intend on traveling anywhere, but he's chasing game. 
And that game happens to go a distance that is equal to traveling. But he didn't intend to travel. He's just following the deer. He shot it with the arrow. Now he's following it. Right? Then he's not a traveler because he didn't intend to travel. Now what's the proof why he's not a traveler? His intentions. Actions over by intentions. In the Malabiniyat. Because he didn't intend to travel, he's not a traveler. So this is so this portion of what the Shaykh mentioned is very important. Qasidin, Qatr, Masafa, Khamsa with Thalameen, Khamsa with Thamaneen, Kilo, Kilo Mitran. He intends to go the distance that equals 85 kilometers. 85 kilometers. Inshallah Ta'ala will come back in more depth and detail on this point. But in America, we don't we don't uh, view distance in kilometers, right? Huh? Eighty-five? No, a little more. F- huh? Eighty-five kilometers. Huh? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's. Uh, I heard you said four what? No, 1.78 is a mile to kilometers. Right, 1.78 is a mile to kilometers. So it 50, 50, 85, 85 kilometers equals about, it, it, it is 52.82 miles. So you can round that up, 53 miles. 53 miles, right? And the Sheikh is going to explain why he said 85. He's going to explain why he said 85. 85 is about 53 miles. 53 miles. So he said, whoever leaves his house, or whoever leaves his, excuse me, not his house, whoever leaves his city, whoever leaves his city, and he intends to travel 85 kilometers, or 53 miles. Now, men, a al ballot from the border of the city. Not from his house. Okay? So you can't GPS it and then see the miles and then say, okay, from my house is 64 miles. It could be 64 miles from your house, but it may not be 64 miles from the border of your town. So it, so, 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 so the clock starts from the border of your town, your town limit. Your town limit until... The destination of where you're going, that's how the counter starts with relates to miles or distance. That makes sense? You with me? So the Shaykh says, من أطراف البلد المنتهى سفره فأكثر If it is 85 kilometers from the border of his town until where he has he's intended to travel or more, then verily he is a traveler without looking at the custom of the people and we're going to come back to this point as well without looking at the custom of the people so 85 85 kilometers which is 53 miles or more from the town limit until where he is going without looking at the customs of the people then this person is a traveler. Now, is he a traveler once he has reached that destination? Or is he considered a traveler before? Hmm? Okay, once he passes, which way? What do you mean by distance? So he has to go 53 miles, now he's a traveler. You say once leave the city limits, he's a traveler. Now, sent him. Now, it is once he leaves the city limits. The Sheikh says, from the standpoint that he leaves the the buildings or the structures of his city. So once he passed city limits, even though you could be two minutes or five minutes past the, the the city limits, because you intend to go that distance, you're a traveler. You're a traveler, right? Like. 
Likewise, another point of benefit the Ramadi mentioned. If you're on your way back home, if you're on your way back home, right? Okay, and okay, next to Orlando is what Kissimmee, right? Kissimmee shares a border with Orlando. So, but you're on your way back home. You live in Orlando. You're coming from a travel. You reach Kissimmee. Can you shorten and combine your prayers in Kissimmee? Yeah, because you're still traveling. But once you break the border of Orlando, can you shorten and combine your prayers? No, you're back home now. Even though you live five minutes past the border or ten minutes past the border, city limits, as soon as you hit Orlando, that's it. You're home now. You can't shorten your prayers. You with me? All right. Bye. The Sheikh he mentions, he says that 85 kilometers, 85 kilometers, without looking at the customs of the people. Why is it mentioned without looking at the customs of the people? Because when it comes to traveling, and this is important because you have. You may hear a statement from one of yani, the ulama which says there is no distance for traveling. Right? Then you hear a statement from others from the ulama and they say, no, if it is 80 or 85 kilometers, it's traveling. Both statements are true. How do we bring them together? They're brought together because that statement, as Sheikh Al-Bani, used to say, there's no distance for traveling. And then he brought as a proof of evidence, he, or, and he brought as a, uh, a supporting point, I should say. He said is that during the time of Sheikh Rizal and Taymiyyah, he mentioned certain distances that were considered traveling then, that are not considered traveling now. He said, so this means that what? That that ruling, it will change between time and place. So when it comes to the, the, the customs of the people, if it is anything under 85 or 80 kilometers... Then, the customs of the people take precedence. So if you go to a particular place, and in that place, to go a distance that is equal to 60 kilometers, for example, is considered traveling, then what? With those people, then that distance is traveling, period. Because this is what they understand traveling to be. So that distance is traveling. So if we go to UAE, for example, and they tell us to go from this town to that town, that's traveling, even though... We'll say, but it's only 60 kilometers. They say, no, that's traveling. So then that's traveling. Because the, 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 the customs of the people will take precedence. Now, the issue where the ulama come and they say, no, it's the distance is where what? Is where either the distance between the two points exceeds the 80 or 85 kilometers. That's one. And two. Okay. And one and two. Yani, uh, or there is a difference of opinion. If the people differ, some say it's traveling. Some say, no, it's not traveling. Then we say, okay, what's the distance? That's how we're going to solve this argument. Some people in the area say it's traveling. Other people in the area say, no, it's not known to be traveling to us. Then we'll say, okay, then what's the distance? If the distance is 80 or 85 kilometers, then we say, okay, no, it's traveling. Now, then we say, no, it's traveling. So that makes sense? So those early man, they say there is, they say there is no set distance. That's referring to what? If the customs of the people see a distance shorter than 80 or 85 kilometers is being traveling, then the custom takes precedence and that is what's going to define what is or isn't traveling. But if it is a distance greater than 85 or 80 kilometers, then we say no. Once you 80 or 85 kilometers, that's traveling. Now, why? Where do the early man get that from? Those who came with that number, is that number something arbitrary they just pull out of the sky? Where do you get that number from? They get that number from a hadith. Which hadith? He's a hadith. Huh? <laughs> 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 Allah Allah Ustad. Allah Ustad. It's from the hadith. Okay, check it out. It's from the hadith. La yahil. Limra'atin tu'mina billah. Tu'mina billah wa yawm al-akhir. And tusafira masira yawm walayn. That it is not permissible for a woman who believes in Allah in the last day to travel a distance of a day and a night 
except that she has with her a mahram. Naam. So the Prophet ﷺ, he outlined and he called the distance that one will travel in one day and one night according to their speed of transportation during his time وسلم, as being what? Traveling. Right? So that sets the, um, what would you say? That sets the guidelines of what is traveling. The amount of time, the, you know, the distance that it took in the time when the Prophet وسلم, to go one day and one night is traveling. And this is where the early might get that number from. They say according to those modes of transportation, they will cover on average about 80 to 85 kilometers in a day and night. In a 24-hour period of non-stop going, they will, they, they will cover about 80 to 85 kilometers. Now, Sheikh Suleiman Rahili, he says, Naam, 80 kilometers at some of the ulema they mentioned. He said, but we're going to say 85. We're going to say 85 just for to, for to play safe. Now, on this, to play safe, we're going to say 85. Play safe, we're going to say 85. Right? But you may find others of the ulema mentioned 80. And that's also correct. Because that's more closer to the exact what it is. Sheikh Suleiman and those early matters say 85 is because what they added a little more right these type of things are important this type of nuance is important because why because it'll give you an understanding of the statements of the ulama and it'll give you some tolerance now so if someone comes and they say but my sheikh he said it was 80 then you say no but my sheikh said it was 85 okay then does that justify an argument no, because you know where each is coming from. Now, this one says 80 because that's more closer to exactly what it is. It will say 85. Play, you know, putting a little more on there just for the safe side. So it's no difference of opinion. I get it. Someone comes and say, my sheikh said there's no, def there's, there, there's no, 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 no uh, distance for traveling. Then we say, well, my sheikh said it's 80 kilometers. Does that justify an argument? No. Once you know where each side is coming from, then you, then you understand. And this is why you find the people of Ain. Now they, they have a lot more tolerance when it comes to the difference of opinion in these, in these affairs of fiqh than other than them uh, from the people who have not reached their levels of knowledge. The second condition for in order to be able to break your fast while you're traveling after it's been known that yes, you in fact are traveling is is that his travel, it cannot be a travel of or excuse me, it cannot be a travel for this for, for, for the reason of disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With the majority of the scholars they say that in order to be able to take the ruhsa, it cannot be a travel for the sole purpose of disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have others in ulama they say no, there is no proof that points to this, but those ulama which are the majority of the ulama, they say no. If you're traveling in order to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning that a person travels so that he can drink alcohol because they live in a country that does not tolerate the likes of this type of stuff. So in order to drink alcohol, you got to travel to another country to drink alcohol. So if you travel and your sole purpose of traveling is to drink alcohol, the ulama, they say you don't deserve the rukhsa. So no, there's no rukhsa for you because you're disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what the majority of the scholars they bring with this opinion. Now, what if a person is traveling and they disobey Allah while they're traveling? Does that now nullify their uh, license? No. Huh? No, no, we're saying if a person, nah, I'm with you. But if a person is traveling and then they make a sin while they're traveling. Now, can he still and he shorten? And so can he still break his fast? No, he could. It's traveling. What is intended by Sifr al-Ma'asiyah is they travel for the sole intent to disobey Allah. So if a Muslim, for example, gets on a plane and goes to Vegas, right? And we know they're not going to Vegas to look at cactuses and the sunsets in the desert. <laughs> okay? They're going to Vegas to, 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 to gamble. So they go into Vegas to gamble. Can he shorten his prayer and, and, and break his fast? The majority of the scholars say no. 
because this is this is this is a travel of sin. So no, you don't you, you don't deserve the 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 license and the allowance because your whole intent and purpose is to disobey Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. but similar to this. Yani, and, 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 and the ulama who, who bring this They say why? They said They said because his intention is an is a evil intention So therefore he doesn't get, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, 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 get to uh, benefit from the allowance The third condition Is that Is that they do not travel With the intention of breaking their fast you understand? They do not travel with the intention of breaking their fast. A person says to his wife, Oh man, today really hard. Today's hard. Let's get in the car. Today's hard. Let's get in the car. Where are we going? We don't go to the next state. We don't go eat. Right? So this is what? This is haram. Why? Because the sole intent of traveling is to break your fast. Now you're trying to play with the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yeah, we look at it, but, but think about it though. Think about how many Muslims try to play with Allah's deen, just like the Jews used to play around the deen. Throw the nets out. Oh, we ain't fishing. Technically, we ain't fishing. Throw them out day before, come back day after, grab everything. Oh, no, no, we didn't fish on the Sabbath because we threw the nets out on, the, on, on Friday and pick it up Sunday. Playing with the deen. That's what the Jews do. Okay, how many Muslims do the same thing? How many bodegas got. The register of the halal products and then the register of all the pork skins and the alcohol and the Philly blunts and the so on and so forth. Allah. Huh? Allah. Allah. Maybe all of them. Allah. Allah. Right? They'll say, no, 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 brother. Can't, you know, you can't, you can't uh, give sadaqah from that register. Why not, brother? That's the haram money. So, so what's that one? Oh, that's the halal money. So you so 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 you acknowledge that this stuff is okay and this stuff is not, and it never dawned on you, then that means you can't sell this stuff that gets you the money that you put inside this register. They play games. It's unfortunate, but it happens. All right, because a person may see may hear this and say, "Well, who in the world would do that? Who in the world would just get in the car and travel just so they can eat?" Hell, you then. I mean, like most of us, when we first discovered that people have two registers, we said to ourselves, Who will have two registers for what? What do you need two registers for? It's unfortunate, but it happens. So, if a person, if they travel for the sole purpose of breaking their fast because they are technically traveling, then what? They can't, they can't, they don't have the license. Why? Because their intention is erroneous. And inshallah, ta'ala, these are just some points that are related. To this particular topic There is a lot more on this topic But again, these are just some points And I encourage everyone Myself first and foremost Then everyone else To continue to learn and to study And uh, to benefit and to seek knowledge Day in and day out Naam And I encourage the brothers and the sisters Especially Naam And this is uh, not speaking to any one person in particular but just a general advice to all of us, because I know with the pandemic and the shutdown of the masajid uh, and, 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 and the shutdown of towns at a particular point, um, and, and now a year in, and some of the masajids still haven't reopened and so on and so forth, people have become accustomed to being away from the masajid. They have gotten used to praying inside their homes. They have gotten used to tuning in. Uh, to listen to classes and so on and so forth um, or they just gotten used to not listening and attending uh, any, any type of classes and things like that uh, so it's an encouragement to come back to the masajid come back to the classes because and this is just a reminder occasions like this workshops, lectures, conferences things of that nature they're very important. They help rejuvenate us. They are an encouragement for us. Right? They're an encouragement. They rejuvenate us. But the reality of it is, is that that is not the main staple of what we need as far as our educational needs. 
that the meat and potatoes of our educational needs, then they're going to be what? Remember the poet he said, and yomul mithlu. Today is knowledge, and tomorrow knowledge too. It's that it's the steady bit of knowledge. Huh? So whatever days you have classes here in this masjid, please, brothers, attend. Don't 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 dial in. You know, you know what I'm saying? The old saying that, 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 that they have in America, they dialing it in, in. What does that mean when they say they dialing it in? It means they're not taking it serious. They're not taking it serious. Right? Because you're just dialing it in. What I'm saying is don't dial it in. Unless you can't physically come because you're at work. Or you can't physically come because you're away in another town. You can't physically come because you're away in another state. Then at that point, no. Take advantage of the, of, of the technology and still listen. Still, still attend. You know, even from afar. But if you're here... You're in Orlando, the brother's giving classes, you're not doing nothing, you're not at work, you're not doing anything, you're not shopping, you're not you know, taking care of any business at a doctor's appointment or anything, then you should be in class. Why not? Do you have anywhere else where it's better to be than the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is just an encouragement for myself and everyone else. Let's get back into gear. Bismillah ta'ala. And have these classes full, as full as Jumu'ah, inshallah ta'ala, so that we can learn and we can benefit, we can benefit and we can learn. So that, and I end at this point, so that in years going by now, two, five, ten years from now, will we have to look around and say, we need, we need to find a hafad, we need to find a hafad, yeah? where the hafad, so that we can bring somebody in so they can lead tarawih? Will we have to do that? If we have serious classes and we take them serious and we're producing from our own community, hurfah, own communities, hurfah, not at all. We can turn around, look in the rank and say, hey, you, 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 you. This year, it's on you guys. Very simple, right? These are just goals, inshallah, ta'ala, that we have to set for ourselves, bithnilahi ta'ala, as communities, especially the communities of Ahlul Sunnah, especially the communities of the Salafis. Can I be more clearer than that? Huh? We shouldn't let nobody beat us in anything. Be the people upon the kitab and the sunnah. You gonna tell me the Sufi got more hafal than us in the area? That sound right to you? Huh? Hey. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I know. That's it. That, that don't make sense though. I'm just saying. Does it make sense? Does that make sense in anybody's mind? No. That, no. That, that, that has to change. Period. Like it who like it, hate who hate it. That has to change. Period. That has to change. We are the people of the Sunnah. We are the people of the Quran. We are the people of the Sunnah of the Prophet. We are the people of the Athar. Shouldn't let nobody want to beat you in that. This is a race. Race into good, race into the Jannah, inshallah. Hey. The question is if someone is going to try to learn Quran and he intends not to go fast. And he's going to start to travel at 10 a.m. Does he have to fast until 10 a.m. And when he leaves the outer limits, then break the fast? Or can he not fast at all? And then part B, if he's fasting, let's say he's coming to Georgia, he enters the city limit, so it's only 5 o'clock, 8 o'clock to the sunset, does he refrain from eating? So part A, part B, if you want to read that. Part A, um, you're not able to fast until you begin your traveling, meaning until you have, re you have left the, the, the town limits, right? And you can no longer see the you know the buildings. You left the town limits. Now you are a traveler. Now you can break your fast. Prior to that, right? So prior to that, yeah, you still have to you still have to refrain. Prior to that, you have to refrain, right? Once you begun your travel, now you can shorten your prayer. Now you can break your fast. Now what was the second one? So I was I was in Georgia and I was fasting to so travel, and then I get back to Orlando, and it's only five o'clock in the afternoon. So I have three more hours before sunset. Should I refrain from eating, even though I was not fasting prior? You to was eating? not fasting. I, I was not. Right. I was in Atlanta. Should I stop eating, or I can continue to eat while I'm back home? The early they differ. Some of the early they say you have to refrain. Once you come back, you refrain, right? Um, because of the the magnitude of the occasion of fasting. Others from the early they say no. If you were not fasting, because you had a legitimate excuse. And now you have reached back home during that same day before Maghrib. You're still allowed to eat and drink. Uh, but they're running by the caution. They say, however, don't do this publicly so that it will not damage your reputation. Because people may not understand 
or know that you were traveling. They may look at the, the, the pitcher and say, oh, he's a, he's a sinner. Look at him. He's eating and drinking. Right? So they say that you are allowed to eat and drink, but don't eat and drink in front of everyone. Don't eat and drink in front of everyone. Now, the food is here. So, inshallah, ta'ala. Nabi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa jazakum Allahu khayran.